and welcome to the Sensibility Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Baker, a financial advisor, money mindset coach, and all-out money guru when it comes to creating the financial future you are after. This is the podcast where we make talking money normal and manifesting into our lives practical. I share with you money mindset tips and tricks as well as practical financial strategies to help you create the financial life and relationship with money that you deserve. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the Sensibility Podcast. Well, we're actually doing a duo podcast. So I've got Louise Bedford here and she has her own podcast. So I'm very excited that we're doing this together. Um, I'll do a quick intro. Um, Louise is a best-selling author of five books on the share market and Australia's most compelling speakers on this very topic. Um, she also has a mentor program and an online course, or so audio course, uh, all about trading. So, and she's also on the website, The Trading Game. Um, so I'm very excited to have uh, Louise on and to be sharing this uh, this show with her because there's so much. We've actually just been chatting offline about the synergies between what we're doing and you know, I'm educating people on financial literacy piece and she's educating people on really how to trade and really take control of their investing investing future. So welcome. Thank you very much for coming on to the show. I've been so excited about joining you. I love the name of your podcast. Oh my gosh. So my podcast for all of Amy's people, my podcast is talkingtrading.com.au. And Amy, can you just say your website as well? Yep, mine is sensibility with the C, like sensibility, uh, .net.au, um, and we're obviously on all of those uh, podcast platforms as well. So clever. I can't wait to dig into the depths of trading and investing with you. Let's get into it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, when I teach my club, my students, so I've just uh, launching an online course and, you know, there is a big difference with just like long-term investing with what a financial planner would do or what you have in your superannuation to trading. So I first wanted you to sort of give us a bit of a rundown on what trading really is all about. Yes. Look, I do often hear people differentiate between trading and investing. I tend to blend the two to some extent. I know there is definitely a line here that some people feel more comfortable with one or the other, but I think everybody should take lessons from the financial planning world and implement them into the trading world and from the trading world and pop them into the investing world. So every aspect of time frame has its place. So a lot of people, when they think of trading, they think of a day trader up all night, stressed to the eyeballs, bloodshot eyes, in front of a computer typing frantically. Now, let me tell you, that does not work. The best traders and investors are emotionally stable. And in fact, in the psychology, the four years of psychology that I did at uni, they call it emotional regulation. So emotional regulation should be for traders and investors. We should aim to get off that joy despair cycle and to smooth out our emotions so that we're not getting flipped around by the markets. So some of the things that we can learn from the trading world to implement in investing, traders use a stop loss. So they use mm -hmm. a way to exit 
when things are not working out in their favour. And I think really investors should do the same. Traders use a written trading plan and investors should as well. You should know when to get in, when to get out and how much money to place into each position. It's so essential because once the markets are open, our brain leaks out of our left ear. We are no longer the clever intellectual. We are the primal old brain lizard brain tribal type of person interacting with an enemy, which is just really not the best way to handle things. We need to push things into our prefrontal cortex, develop that logical mind and use it in times of pressure. So I think, Amy, there's a lot of things that we can learn from both sides. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. I just did a coaching session with my students on that very thing about you know, I, I use the term to neutralize ourselves from our money. Like the, there is so much tied up to the emotions in, when it comes to money, often triggered from past stuff. But what happens to our brains, as you just sort of pointed out, is that we go into the subconscious programming and it's like we go straight into fight and flight mode when that's actually not going to serve us. When we're in flight and fight mode, uh, our bodies are being, you know, our bodies are being prepared basically to run. And there is no bear in the cave. It's just money. So we've got to actually neutralize ourselves in that respect and look at it for what it is. Look at the strategy. Go back to, hang on a minute, as you just pointed out, there has to be a plan. There's got to be a strategy. You've got to know your numbers. You've got to know what you're working with and the end game. So everything you've just said is exactly what I teach as well. It's just, you know, there's a few differentiations there, but it's the same when you've got to understand our brains are designed to keep us safe. So it's, they're going to go into that crazy illogical space and we've got to rein it back in and go, let's be logical. We know the bear isn't about to attack us. Money is just money. What's the worst case scenario? And then take it from there. So I absolutely loved everything you just said because it's exactly what I, I teach as well. Look, I think there's some things that we can learn from neuroscience that we can apply directly into the markets, but also into our own life. Now, I've just spent this amazing time reading three of Luke Mather's books. I've got one of them here, Curious Habits. It's a winner. I love it. Now, Luke Mathers, I've interviewed a few times. Luke refers to it as your old brain, which is the central part of your brain, and then the new brain, which wraps over that old brain. So that new brain is all of the language, the logic, the process, the structured thinking, and for all of our sakes, I mean, I thank goodness we have got that old brain, but that's that super anxious, oh my gosh, everything's about to attack me, black and white thinking, pre-verbal part of our mind. Now, we mm -hmm. need to get the two working together, and there are some definite strategies that we can do to get those two talking so that we can be less stressed out and more approaching that logic utopia. The big mm -hmm. one, and I'd like everybody to do this who's listening right now, is to take a deep breath. Now, I know you've heard about breathing. Oh my gosh, you've probably been to a meditation class, but why does breathing help? And I can tell you why. When you are being chased by a tiger, there is no way you're going to stop to calm your nervous system by taking a deep breath. Everything will be pumping. All of your extremities will be chock-a-block full of blood so that you're ready for a fight, flight, freeze response. And all of the knowledge that you've got about intellectualism is gone. It's your old it's brain keeping you safe. 
<laughs> it really is. It's so unfortunate. So if we can take a deep breath, and this is coming right from the diaphragm. So we're going to fill up our belly with air. So take a deep breath in. Push your belly out. All right. Hold it. And then just relax. Ooh, just let it out. Now, that is the absolute antithesis of something that will be happening when you're running away from that legendary tiger in the jungle. So this is the sort of thing that we can do as traders and investors to calm our nervous system, to get us into the right frame of thinking, to trade logically, and so that we can get that old brain and new brain talking to each other. And you will have seen that in your own financial planning life. Often when you're raising things with your clients, I'll bet you they start breathing fast. They start, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know if I can handle this physiological response. What do you tell people when they need to calm down, Amy, so that they can think clearly? Well, one of them is actually, yes, we, you know, the breathing thing is important, but often it's going back to the logic and getting the big picture, looking at, okay, you're reacting to something that is just, let's look at the financial markets we've seen in the last 12 months. Um, you know, in the last six months, well, we'd say from June through August, it was, you know, touch and go. And some people going, oh my gosh, I'm losing my, my, my money. My superannuation's going or my pension's going. And it was like, hang on a minute. Let's have a look at what we did last year when we had those all record high returns. It's like, we've just given back a little bit of that cream. Let's look at things in the bigger picture perspective. Let's look at the rolling average return that we actually have been consistently getting year in, year out. And I also demonstrate their cash flow and everything on a spreadsheet. So now the logic's coming in and they're seeing a visual. They're seeing the plan in front of them. And that all of a sudden just goes, oh, okay, I'm not running out of money. Because as soon as you look at your super or, or your, you know, your portfolio and it's dropped by 10% or even more, depending on what the markets have been doing, you can go, oh my God, are we heading back to, you know, maybe GFC or even prior to that. I mean, we haven't seen the markets like this since the 90s. This is a very unique climate that we're in. But the logic is not about the loss. The logic's actually about the end game and the strategy and the process along the way. And we've got to go, yes, the markets are also based on behavioural, you know, it's behavioural science, behavioural economics. It's, you know, the, you know, what, what did one of my clients once say? She goes, it's like, the US coughs and Australia gets a cold. And that's, it is reactional. And what we've got to do is not be reactional because when we look at his, history, when it comes to the financial markets and we look at where we're going based on that, those numbers, we know that it's not I, the worst I case love scenario. That. Yeah, getting back to the data and making sure that we can remind ourselves that, okay, this is the big picture, this is the long term. So a couple of the strategies that you can use for that to help add that distance, because what you're talking about is adding distance between that immediate response. So we can add a pause, a pause to be able to just stop, take a breath, don't react before we actually hit that buy or sell button. That pause is absolutely instrumental. And the other thing that we can do is listen to podcasts like this, where we can educate ourselves and we can actually push all of that 
activity from that old brain into the new brain. One of the things that I wanted to get your thoughts about, actually, is I've been talking with Brad Klontz. Now, Brad Klontz runs... Oh, so many wonderful things. And he talks about our money mindset from the point of intergenerational concepts being passed through from our family. Now, mm-hmm. some people have a money script that they follow. I think pretty much all of us do, actually, where we are subject to this pre-designed strategy that almost has been passed down from generation to generation. One of the pieces of research that I came across is that parents actually speak to their children differently based on their gender. So parents speak to little girls about, well, this is how you balance a household budget and this is how you make sure you have enough money for holidays. Whereas with boys, they talk to boys about this is how you plan for the future, how you sock savings away for the future as well, very future-focused. So that's interesting to me as well. With your clients, Amy, how do you combine that need for... Constant reassurance that we're okay in the now, but also keep their eye on the future. That's a good question. There's so much in there that um, I could share about just how programming first, because everybody is going to have a different money story, but there is very much a common thread when it comes to women, one being that there was an expectation that they would get married and be looked after. Even now, it's this, I've got these younger, you know, very professional six-figure income earning women that still have this desire that, you know, the man's a financial plan. It's a subconscious programming. It's got nothing to do with their desire to be successful, financially independent, but still they will settle and get into relationships with the wrong people, with the wrong, all actually caused by how they've been raised in their programming and that's that it's not actually their mothers even realizing they're doing or their fathers it's actually generational it's how we've been raised i mean my grandmother was married in the 40s and once she had her first once she was married actually it was the 40s once she was married she wasn't allowed to to work she wasn't like that was it you know so it wasn't that long ago when we think about it so when I'm working with clients, especially I, what I do as an advisor is I do weave through some of my money mindset coaching into my practice. Now, I'm doing that more with newer clients. Older clients would find it really strange that I start talking about their money story and all of that in, you know, in a review meeting, whereas new clients, that's sort of weaved into that discovery meeting. So once I have an understanding of just how their their relationship is with money, does it cause them anxiety, does it, you know, all of those kind of things, getting a bigger picture, not just knowing how much money they've got, what their superannuation is, what they're earning, what their goal is, because sometimes they don't even know what their true goal is until we've uncovered some of their values and their core values, and I, I use that with the Swatch theory. But then we go deeper and understand what's their inner drive and what's really going on and what's what causes their, sub, you know, often their subconscious sabotaging when it comes to their money because you're always triggered to go to see a financial planner. There's always something that's going to get you in that meeting. It's usually a little bit of fear 
It's usually that there's something else that's happened to someone else. It's often a driver that's not a positive one in most cases. It's like, oh gosh, I've realised I'm 40 and I have only 25 years and I've got to get my act together. Um, or it could be I've got a friend who's just done a TPD claim and I never want to be in that position. Um, or my friends are just going through a divorce and she's got nothing to her name. You know, so you, you, there's all these little things that have triggered someone to get you, you know, get them in front of you as a client. And my job is to uncover really what that is. And then as I understand that, it's part of weaving through changes and getting them to see the evidence that a lot of those stories that have been driving that fear are not real. And let's look for the evidence that you are financially independent already. You do not need anybody else to come in and rescue you. I mean, think women have those Disney princesses. They all got rescued by some knight in shining armour. We don't need that. Let's be real. So like then it's about understanding how the brain works, celebrating the wins, you know, channeling into that do dopamine hit. We're in the world of instant gratification. So why don't you use that to your advantage? So when we create the financial plan, which is a long vision plan, we break it down into bite-sized pieces and look at how you're tracking throughout the year so that you're engaged in that plan, that you're celebrating those wins. If it's clearing debt, if it's making more contributions, if it's, you know, maybe putting more money in the offset or actually starting an investment strategy outside of super because you really want to have ongoing passive income that you can access as soon as possible. All of those things, it's about that engagement and rewiring that belief of changing your language. I'm constantly picking people up and going, did you hear the way you spoke about yourself then? Are you aware of your, your self-talk there? You know, especially divorced women where they've really got this self-doubt because the relationship's worn them down or they've been focused on raising their kids and they're living for everybody else and they're kind of subconsciously taken on a martyr sort of, you know, uh, characteristic, but they're not that. To their core, that's not who they are. So it's bringing that sort of queen back. Yeah, so a big I love answer it. there. <laughs> Yeah, no, I so I so enjoyed hearing that. There's so many aspects to that. There's a few things I'd like to pick up on. One of them is looking at our future selves. So this is something that is very important. And there is some research currently that has been released. It's a small study, but I think it's of value here. It was done by Fidelity. And Fidelity, of course, is in your direct wheelhouse there, Amy. You would have heard of them for sure with the financial yep. planning side of things in the States. Now, what they looked at is they looked at, can we give people more evidence about how they'll be in their future? And they aged up photos of their clientele and they said look this is you 10 years time 20 years time perhaps 30 years time with different photos of the aging process which is rather terrifying when you think about it but after they'd shown their clientele those aged up photos people were more likely to put more money into saving compared to spending. They were more likely to be focused on what their lives would be like in the future. So part of it could be that we are having trouble visualising that that person is actually going to be us and we're responsible for that person in the future. And the other thing I wanted to catch there with what you were saying is the alignment with values. 
This is something mm-hmm. I see with my traders all the time. It's so important that we work out what our core values are and that we're led by those core values. So for, for me, I'll, I'll perhaps give you an example of my core values and where trading can and cannot provide for this. My three core values are love, inspiration and nurture. Now, they've been my core values since I was 19, and I actually wrote them down along with that mission statement, which I still follow today. Now, trading can't provide for all of those core values. They are more people-oriented than perhaps me and my trading equity balance sheet. So I need to find other ways I can fulfil those values so that I can feel fulfilled as a person because we're more than just our bank account. We're more than just our financial plan. So I think it's really important that we work out where does our investing fit with our life currently, with our future self, and where are the areas that we need to pad it out in order to get fulfillment? And I'm sure you see a lot of that with your clients. Absolutely. And in I'm going to do a bit of a plug here, but in the course that I'm about to launch, the Sensibility Money Transformation course, or as I'm now calling it, CMTC, that's the first part of our module is actually understanding first what your why is and that's exploring our our values because when you set a goal unless it's in line with the value you're really not going to really connect to it the other part is connecting emotionally to that so similar to what you were saying with fidelity and the photograph i actually have people visualize their outcome of achieving a particular goal whether it be, okay, I'm debt-free, so we do it short-term, medium-term, long-term, so that there's always that connection. But actually visualising the outcome, how do you feel? Now, if you weren't to make changes, how would you feel? Where would you be in 12 months' time if we do, if you do not do what you want, you're setting yourself out to do? Whereas where will you be in 12 months' time if you do? And there comes that emotional connection. All of a sudden they go, oh, my God, I do not want to be back here in 12 months' time. I need to do X, Y, and Z and I, and be emotionally connected and visualise that, see it, feel it, become it. And also I do another uh, exercise um, which is actually about your future self. So what decisions will I be making? And start stepping into that. So... What you know, and it's connecting with community, with um, my health. It's not just about the bank balance, as you said. It's not just about your spreadsheets. It's not just about your what, whatever the goal is. It's actually the bigger picture. And if you can connect, even even when it comes to like my, one of my values is community. So how is that going to? How am I going to connect that to my finances? Well, for me, if I'm in a fi- better financial position. I will have more time to do the work that I want to do in terms of, you know, I, right now I'm a director of a, a charity for uh, helps that helps women flee domestic violence and get rehomed in with dignity. But I also want to be able to maybe get to that point of wealth where I can really be a philanthropist. So there's connection now to understand the outcome of me improving my financial situation, even though community doesn't sound like oh, that's about me making wealth, creating wealth. Well, yeah, it can have a ripple effect. It's making a connection to what that could actually help me achieve 
with that with that value. Yeah, I love that because the best traders do that as well. So my top traders are the ones who have that bigger vision. It is a bigger aspect than just them. It's the ripple effect out into the world. And I think that's what a lot of people miss. That is something that people think of sometimes. Trading can be quite a selfish endeavour. But actually, if the good people don't have money, oh my goodness, who has the money then? And who you are will just be magnified with more money. So I think what you're absolutely. doing is a lovely thing. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So I know we were actually going to go into talking about trading and even candlesticks and um, your strategies and some of the things that you teach. But we've, we've, I guess what we've done really is set some good foundation around how you can be successful at that from a mindset point of view or the neuroscience point of view. Um, so if you don't mind just giving me some insights to some of the things that you teach and just explain, I mean, I, my, my husband's futures trader, or he was, well, he sort of put that on hold at the moment because he's working in my business, but we, it, it's something he's wanting to get back into. It's very different futures trading. And that's where you see the red eyeballs and the overnight stuff and waiting for the US announcements and, you know, finding the right sectors you want to work in very different to what you teach, I assume. Yes. So I do teach over every time frame, but over every market as well, but where it is your own trading plan. So if you're just getting started trading and you're looking to perhaps have a bit of a dabble, the easiest way is to open up Yahoo Finance, get hold of some charts, pop them onto candlestick charts. You know, I'm known as the candlestick queen. So I have yeah. to say, pop it onto candlestick charts. Eventually they'll start to make sense to you. And just look to see whether you can identify things that are going up. We're just trying to look to see things that are going up and we're trying to hop into that trend as soon as we can so that our money is taken up with it. So I do suggest people get my trading plan review from tradinggame.com.au and that will help you write your own trading plan and it will also allow you to understand all of the factors that go into an effective trading plan. Yep. And when we talk candlesticks, it is a type of chart that basically it, they look like a candlestick, really, and they can be short and long. So do you want to just share what the candlestick sort of process is? why you yes. prefer the so, candlestick chart or graph. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you're quite right. Candles to me add colour to a chart. If it's green, it means that that price has gone up for the, that time period. Let's call it a day. So it's gone up for the day. If it's red, red is colour of blood. So that means that candle is showing that that price has gone down for the day. And what it will allow you to do is to see visually, are there more green than red candles. So is this thing growing or is it bleeding funds? And if you've got something with more green than red, just as a cursory look, that means that that thing is going up. Now, what about if there's more red than green? Wow, do you want to be involved in something that nobody else is putting their money into? I would say no. What we're trying to do as traders is use a weight of evidence looking at several different factors to say, yes, that's going up. And if it's going up, we put a little bit of money into it, not too much. In fact, 
for shares, not over 25% of your trading equity. Um, so I, I actually do like that visual too with the candlestick um, and then seeing things. So I want to ask, how often do you recommend people be looking at their trades and how much time should yes. they be spending? I always suggest for beginners that they start out with a more medium term to long term view and then they learn about the markets using that view. Now, I always find it inform information aversion as being the, the technique that um, is unfortunately a part of us all. When things are going well, we look at our charts more. And when things are going poorly, we pull back and we don't look at our charts as much. It's part of being a human. Even advanced traders have this information aversion bias in their own behavior. So for all of my traders, watch for that in your own behavior because it's quite funny to see. Sometimes when things are going well, people are looking at their charts two or three times a day just to get that dopamine rush. Look, yep. it's going well. Yep. Aren't I clever? That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. And I mean, people course, do the same with... We pull back. Yeah. yeah. People do the same with uh, just the fear of looking at bills and stuff like that, their bank accounts. So, yes. Um, constantly saying, it's not the enemy. It's not the enemy. It's not the bad. That's it. Okay. We've got to neutralize that, you know, emotional connection that we have with it. But I do like that when people are, things are going well, they, they do get that little celebrate, you know, that dopamine hit. That's something I find is a great life hack when you want to stay engaged with, um, you know, whatever your strategy is in terms of achieving your goal. But what happens when you've got a year, look, we've had a tough couple of, you know, I'd say, let's just put it over the last 12 months. And we're still in a very volatile uh, economy worldwide, really, when it comes to the markets. So how do you deal with that in this sort of trading space? I always look back at the charts. So I try not to listen to the news. In fact, I don't listen to the news. I really dislike the emotional contagion that comes through that computer screen or the television set and it puts a dampener on my attitude and I can't afford to have that in my life. So I always think if things are going to get bad enough, somebody's going to tell me. My husband, my business partner, someone will tell me if things get bad enough. And uh, with remarkable regularity, people do tell me things and I go, oh, really? Tell me more. That is me. So I try to... <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do not watch news. I get financial updates in my inbox, but Brett gives me the updates on what's really going on otherwise, and it's very much like that. It's filtered. It's like I just want to live in my happy bubble, and I choose to be there because that's how I operate, you know. It's a choice I've made yeah. to live in that blissful ignorance. <laughs> And it's not even that it's ignorance, it's it's a choice. I like the word choice there, Amy, because really you have to work out what's going to work for you. And being a terrified little rabbit does not work for me with trading. I need to feel mm. quite robust. And I would even suggest that looking at the charts but having predefined rules is the real key because a lot of people think it's becoming incredibly volatile and you hear that, it sounds like we are in danger. And whenever we have that danger set of hormones going off in our brain, that actually makes us pull back. So we need to mm -hmm. look at the facts. So I look to see whether I'm using the all odds, which some people like the ASX 200 as the main chart. I look at a macro filter over the all odds to tell me whether I'm allowed to trade or not. 
that filter is basically just a moving average. And if you're a new person to this, just go with it. It's an easy indicator to get to. It's like one click on a charting package or on Yahoo Finance, the way I suggested that you look at charts earlier. Have a look at the All Lords. See if it's above its moving average. If it's below the moving average, then don't trade. If it's above, then trade. And I do use a volatility filter in there as well. So even though people think things are very volatile, they are actually not. And it is interesting to see if you can build standardized rules around volatility and direction to tell you when to trade and when not to trade, what a load that is off your mind. Throughout all of this, we're trying to minimize cognitive load. We're trying to assign some actions to be automatic, and that's where habits can really help. I've got a series of habits that hold me in such good stead, and the good thing is I don't have to put conscious thought into them. They let me run mm -hmm. my life. Everything's mm -hmm. happening almost on autopilot. And then when I need that cognitive load to really turn on and so that I can think deeply about things, I have still got the reservoir of energy left to allow me to think those deep thoughts and to come up with big novel decisions. Habits can only be useful for you if it's for a non-novel situation. So think of what you can do to assign habits to other aspects of your life so that you can be freed up to think those big thoughts. That's fascinating. Well, that's actually something um, I call, like I use from James Clear's book, Hab uh, what's it called? Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits yeah. and the habit stacking is like, yes, yeah, so do I. And yes. that, that concept of habit stacking is introducing different new smaller bite-sized pieces bite-sized habits into your daily routine that's going to shift you into the direction you need to be going and so that's something I introduced with the financial planning and educating people on how they can change some of their relationships and habits around money is order and automating is absolutely one of those things is it automating a lot of yes. your, your fixed expenses you know you know your, your your income if you're self you know if you're employed you've got an employer that income's coming in every week, fortnight or month. You know that's going to be automatically, you know, automatically paid into a chosen account. Then you automate the bills to be paid that same day. You schedule them out. Yeah. And then you pay yourself to your discretionary account and you pay yourself to your, you know, save to invest account or your savings account, whatever, you know, the goals are. But you've, you automate that process. Exactly what you are saying um, in terms of yeah. Then you've got the I guess the mindset, the you know framework to actually be really focused and think logically and make bigger decisions, things that you're interested in. You know, as opposed to just how I bank and pay my bills. Yeah, and that's where the spice of life is too, because a lot of the mundane things. I mean, really, the dishes will still be there tomorrow. A lot of the mundane things in life are not very fulfilling. Whereas we're looking to find things that do fill us up, that give us that energy to keep moving forward towards our goals. And this is one of the things that we need to do. Everybody needs to improve their ability to create habits on a conscious basis. Yeah, and speaking of which, so when you've got someone who's a beginner. And there, you, you mentioned medium to long term, that that uh, sort of trading at that point. When you say medium to long term, what are the time frames there? Well, I would suggest you start with a weekly chart. Weekly mm -hmm. charts have one candlestick formed for the one week of data, and that will really 
give a lot of space for your errors to occur and where you're not going to shoot yourself in the foot. So mostly I'd suggest people are thinking about, hey, three months, six months sort of trades, but above that as well. So you're looking to hook into a medium term trend and stay with that until the trend ends and then you'll get out with your stop loss. So ideally that stop loss will be an automatic stop loss entered into your computer at the time that you enter the trade and that way you don't have that negotiation. Should I get out? Shouldn't I? It is automatically taken care of. And then you look at your stocks once a week and do a big broad review once every six months or so. That maintenance aspect is something that's very important and skipped by so many people. You want to have those data points lined up to look at each trade as a mini data point. As Tom Barso, as I was talking to him the other day, he's from the second Market Wizards book by Jack Schwager. He was saying he looks at every trade as just one data point amongst thousands of data points. And then he looks at those data points to see are there actions he needs to take on a more macro scale? Does he need to tweak his trading plan? Is there something there that he's doing consistently incorrectly? Is there a way that he can get more bang for his buck by doing that overview on a regular basis, but a more global overview than that trade-to-trade overview? So keep a trading plan. Get yourself a trading diary to record your thoughts and feelings before during and after you're in that trade and make sure you have a maintenance aspect to your not only trading but also financial planning. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, you've got to stick to the strategy, right? And I'd add to that, what is the why? Why are you doing this? What is the outcome you desire for this? So that you've always got that, the vision as well, which we talked about earlier. So let's explore stop losses. When uh you put a stop loss in, what, how do you sort of determine when to sell? What, what position, like what, do you have a percentage value? What are you sort of recommending overall with a stop loss? Yes. So this probably is a little bit more complicated for the beginner trader. So again, just give yourself time to grow with this. But look, what I look at is I look at a, a, an average true range indicator. Now that tells you how much that share goes up or down on a typical day. And I use a multiple of ATR, three ATR, for example. Imagine ATR is 10 cents, so that share goes up or down by 10 cents on average per day. So three ATR is 30 cents, three times 10 is 30. And then you position your stop loss at 30 cents below that current price. Now, as that share goes up, you can extend and broaden out your stop loss so that it has room to move and room to wiggle. You don't want to be continually getting pipped out of a share that is continuing in the primary direction that you thought it would continue in. So setting wide stops is very important and also position sizing. So looking at how much money to place into each position is very important. The idea is that you don't put too much money into any one position and the Kelly principle is our guide here. So you never put more than 25% of your equity into a single position. That is really important because if that one single position doesn't work out the way you were hoping, 
that can have a very large effect on the rest of your portfolio. So there are some specifics that you need to know. My book, Trading Secrets, and my other book, Charting Secrets, they go into the charting methods that you can use and the trading methods you can use in terms of setting stop losses and position sizes as well. So if you're curious, I suggest you come visit me at tradinggame.com.au, pick up those books, but also register for my free five-part e-course called Trading Made Simple. I'll take you through for free all of the specifics you need to know to get yourself trading effectively. That's fantastic. I'm actually going to put that link. Of course, I'm going to put all these links in the um, in the bio here, in, sorry, in the show notes, but I'm actually going to put that link in my course for those who want to explore trading as well because the course obviously is the foundation of sort of, I guess, financial literacy, understanding how super works and your risk profile and all of those kind of key things, how to manage your cash flow, reduce debt, understanding all types of debt, how you could leverage from debt, all of that, you know, whereas this is taking that, you know, leap into another sort of area of investing, which I haven't really explored with my students. So I'm just going to include that in there and go, if you want to know more about trading, here's an e-course for you to do. So um, if that's okay, that's what I'm going to be doing in my Oh, that sounds fantastic. That would be great. And I think a lot of this is feeling comfortable to be able to move ahead. I've actually got some statistics here and I know you're dealing with males and females and I know this is something that is female specific, but I think some stats are quite interesting here. Only 26% of American women get involved in investing in the stock market. They invest less aggressively than men, but many studies support the principle, including my own studies, that women are actually outperforming their male partners. So that is interesting in itself. Only 9% of women think that they make better investors than men. Now, we may find, because of our natural tendencies, that we do need a little bit more comfort before we move ahead. But once we do move into that arena, we're usually much more prepared, much more focused, and very much the person who follows the trading plan. So what can we learn from the men? It's okay to be a little bit more aggressive. It's fine to think of the future and to say we can be the provider. It is fine to surround ourselves with people who can support us because guys, you know, hey, often they're saying, yeah, you know, I was in that trade. Women aren't doing that as much. So we have a need to talk as females. We do face some confidence issues in the stock market, which we need to consider. But we also have a big responsibility for helping the next generation become good investors and traders. So I do think there are some specific things that females bring to trading that can help us excel. And also, guys, you bring so many wonderful aspects to trading as well. So we need to learn from each other and realize that there's a place at the table for all of us. Absolutely. There's some great stats there. Thank you so much for sharing that as well. I might get you to put some of those uh, emails, some of that to me so I can put that in the show notes as well. Because look, I, as I said, when we we're offline, I've got some uh, things that I'm doing for International Women's Day and I'm going to be heading down to Melbourne uh, with NetWealth talking about that very topic, about the differences between how men and versus women invest. And the biggest issue, I think, as you just pointed out when you listen to those stats, is that we really do lack a lot of confidence 
um, to even sometimes get started. That's the biggest problem, I think. And once we actually get started, look out, you know, because we're great. We will be great at what we do, right? That's pretty much the message I just got. I was like, yeah, go girls. We can do this. It's That's just it. that confidence. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of that self-talk and that programming that we've had that, you know, and also we've got to change the narrative. We've got to start talking more about money, making money very, you know, a normal topic, including investing and speak up about, you know, well, I'm just giving this a shot and I've just tried that and actually talk to our girlfriends about what we're doing with our money. We don't have to talk and divulge the numbers, but just having those conversations because that's what the guys do, right? They do actually share that stuff. So why not? There is no reason why you cannot excel in trading in investing and to really change the very trajectory of your life. So the thing that I think we need to do here, Amy, is to continue producing these resources, encouraging and being people's cheerleader so that they can continue to believe in themselves and realise that they are capable of greatness. So come and join me at talkingtrading.com.au listen to my podcast and also download that free trading plan template tradinggame.com.au now amy was there anything else you wanted to ask me well that we've got each other here um, i know I i'm kind I of cutting things off a little bit in terms of time I'd love no, no, there I are so many other areas <laughs> there's so many other areas i'd love to discuss with you i think we're kindred spirits slightly Absolutely. different angles on a very similar topic so Wonderful chatting with you, Amy. And just again, your website? My website is sensibility.net.au. I'm also, I've got a recap advice business. That's a financial planning business. But when it comes to the financial literacy, the money mindset coaching and the um, online course that we are about to launch, um, that's where you'll find me at sensibility, C-E-N-T-S, ability.net.au. Thank you Fantastic. so much, Louise. Well, <laughs> until our next episode, I... I'm wishing everybody the best of happy trading times and we will be joining you very shortly with the next episode. Absolutely. We're going to have to organize that offline. Thank you very much. And anyone who is listening, if you are loving this, please do rate both of these podcasts and share, share the love. And also if you've got any insights or want to ask questions or topic suggestions, please reach out because that always helps us with content creation. So thank you and enjoy your day wherever you are. Take care. Bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share the love, like and share all posts. Social links are in the show notes below. Please note that any information shared in this podcast is general in nature and not to be perceived as financial advice. Please seek advice from a licensed financial advisor just like me. We also want to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the traditional custodians of this country we record this podcast in. We recognize their continuing connection to the land and waters and thank them for protecting this coastline and its ecosystems since time immemorial. Mm -hmm.